I wanted to start uh, this morning with just a little bit of time, a prayer, if we could, before we jump into the message. Um, and, you know, there's just a lot of things in the world that are going on, not only in our lives individually, but in the world that we could always be praying for. And particularly when national tragedies happen, it, I think it's always a little bit of a challenge to know how often do we pray for different things that happen that shake the world up, right? Well, um, as you have undoubtedly seen, there is this um, just really difficult to watch uh, video of a black man being murdered by the police named Tyree Nichols. And I just wanted to spend some time praying not only for their family, but just as a community. Um, I recognize that New City has a long journey of engaging different dynamics when it comes to the multicultural body of Christ. And the reality is when one of us hurts in the body of Christ, we, we all hurt. That's a scriptural dynamic, right? And so in praying for this, uh, different pastors handle this in different ways. Sometimes it can sound almost like a political dynamic. That is not the point here. We have, uh, uh, you know, our nation is divided around these sort of political narratives, and it's our responsibility as body of Christ to pray. So, but the tricky thing is, where do we end? Where do we begin, right? And so we're always trying to navigate that. So I'm just coming to you very humbly today saying, let's just join our hearts today. And let's just pray for this mother and father who lost their child. And the, the divide that it continues to push out even further in our world. And then we'll dive into our scripture today and get back to Abraham and Sarah. Okay, so would you join me in prayer? God, we love you. And, and we recognize just how beautiful today is the sunshine um, the crispness of the air that comes with it here in Minnesota. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives and in our community. And we have a lot to celebrate, but we also have a lot of things that are maybe heavy on our hearts. We think of the many people in this room who are dealing with different physical ailments. And, and the prayer, of course, God, is for healing. We pray, God, for continued healing of our bodies, whether we're dealing with concussions or different type of medical issues or even recovering from surgery or other things that are even unspoken. We think of those that are with us online today and the, the different requests that might be there. Father, would you attend to us in our times of needs? But as a church, we also ask, God, that you would hear our prayers for this, this family that is really grieving this morning, the Nichols family, as they are grieving the loss of a son. And we recognize the complications around it. We don't know the whole story. We don't know all the details. But we know today that a young man was lost his life. We know how hard it is to be a police officer in this climate. And we know how important those roles are. And we also know how divided our world is around um, race and politics. And so, Father, we come before you and we will admit we do not know the answer. And we lay it at your feet and we ask God that you would remind this world that you are king. Would you give us a humble disposition to care well for people, to continue to pray for each other and for the world around us? And we especially remember this father and mother this morning, God, that are grieving the loss of their son. And we pray for our African-American brothers and sisters who just feel like it's just another story of a loss of life. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know the, better, the best way that we can care and participate in the peace movement that you brought through your son, Jesus. Lord, we love you, and we ask, as always, that you would continue to give us wisdom, 
here as a congregation as we continue to pray and ask for your wisdom, your direction for us as a church. These are significant days for us as a congregation. And we ask, God, that you would get all the glory in these conversations. And I pray, Father, as we open up your word to the early book of Genesis, these stories that have shaped so much of our faith and what we believe, that you would instruct us that your words would be what really shapes our minds, our hearts, our souls, and God, guide our faith as we move forward in you. We pray these things in your name. And all these people said, amen. So today we are actually beginning a brand new sermon series. Um, the plan originally was to start this series next week with our sort of vision celebration Sunday, the business meeting that Jamie announced. But um, with just a number of the things that are happening in the life of the church, I felt like it was appropriate to start the series this week. And I'm calling it Sowing the Seeds of Faith. Sowing the Seeds of Faith. And today, our sermon is entitled Expectations Lost. Expectations Lost. We're going to look at Genesis 12 and 15, the life of Abram and Sarai, or later to be called Abraham and Sarah. But I'm excited about this, and I hope that through our series that will lead us up to Lent, that we, we will be challenged to focus our eyes together on that which God is calling us to, both as individuals, as families, and together as a church. And we will continue to pray that God leads with a holy vision. And so today we begin here, and this is the phrase that's going to guide our conversation today. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to say it to you. Here it is. We have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Let me say it again. We have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Now, there are three words that I want to unpack today, three words that will come up throughout the sermon time, and the first one is the word expectations, expectations. Now, we all know what and understand what this, this word carries, expectations, carries a lot of power, it carries a lot of pressure, particularly when we start to think about managing expectations in our lives. And a lot of times we have very high expectations for some things, but there are times when our expectations dip down, they fall, they are lowered for one reason or another. About 20 to 25 years ago, there was a very short and yet incredibly popular Christian book that highlighted a scripture text found in First Chronicles, and it was called The Prayer of Jabez. Does anybody remember this book, The Prayer of Jabez? Dr. Bruce Wilkerson, I think, uh, if I got that right, wrote that book. And in fact, I bought like boxes of this book, right? Because it expanded on this prayer of Jabez. And we actually walked this, this prayer through with a number of our youth ministry volunteers over a, over a weekend retreat. And this, this isn't necessarily the, the focus of our sermon today, but it's a great setup for what expectations do in our lives, right? And the prayer of Jabez, which is um, out of First Chronicles, it was this kind of, not random, but obscure person that prayed a prayer of significance. And here's what the prayer said. The prayer of Jabez in First Chronicles says this, and Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory 
that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And then the very important end of that phrase was this. So God granted him what he requested. This book was incredibly popular because after all, we all love this kind of a prayer. Humanity, our disposition, our souls desire to pray prayers like this, that God would first bless us. That second, that that which we own and that which we influence would increase. And thirdly, that God would keep us all from harm, that God would keep us from pain. Our human disposition is to pray prayers just like this and ask God to be with us in those situations. And when we pray prayers like this, our expectations go through the roof. We begin to expect something that is amazing. And maybe for you, there was a time when you ask God for something amazing. Maybe those joining us online, maybe in your life, there was a time, maybe those of us in the room, where we expected God to do something amazing. Maybe we ask God for amazing things. Or our expectations were an all-time high. And like Jabez's prayer, maybe there have been times where we actually believed that God called us to something significant, to plant something, to participate in something to join up with something, and our expectations rallied around us, and they were through the roof. But maybe there are times where life kept happening around those expectations, and maybe not much happened like we thought it would. Maybe we were disappointed. Maybe things failed. Maybe something happened that caused those expectations to gradually, over time, move down and maybe now we find ourselves in a point in our lives where we're just willing to settle for the consolation prize the second best option to what we originally thought we were called to we've settled and we just want something maybe for you it was the right person to date right maybe you dreamed about a marriage that was going to last forever And maybe something happened and the expectations continued to go down. Or maybe for you, it was around your job. You were educated, you participated in all this professional development, you're gifted, you're talented, and you thought maybe you were going to get that job, that promotion, that leadership role, and it didn't happen. And now you'll just settle for anything. Maybe for a lot of us, it's about being the perfect parent. Maybe we thought we would have the perfect parental life and our kids would turn out to be total Instagram-worthy, perfect parents where everything was absolutely right on. And now we just would settle for one moment alone with our kids just to have a good conversation. We have expectations. And sometimes life happens and things change. Maybe it's that some of these expectations haven't come true. And when they didn't come through the way that we expected, we began to lower our expectations. And if you've ever lowered your expectations of what God might do in your life, then I need to say this to you today, and it's a message for me as well. We have no idea what God might produce through a single seed planted through faith. And this is where Scripture comes in today. Abe, Abram, and Sarai They had a dream to have children. You know the story. You probably studied it. You probably taught Bible studies on it. That's wonderful. But let's let us focus in on this today. And we know that there was a dream that they had to have children. 
and we know that Sarah couldn't get pregnant. And yet God speaks to them and challenges them to take this massive, I mean, unbelievable step of faith. And in Genesis chapter 12, which I do believe will be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles or your Bible app and you want to open it up, please do. This is Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. And we're going to start here, and then in a minute we're going to jump to Genesis 15. So Genesis chapter 12, we pick it up in Abram and Sarah's life, and we're going to read about what God says to them. So the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4. So Abram went... As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with them, Abram was 75 years old when he sent them out from Haran. And he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. What a passage. And in fact, um, if you read any biblical scholarship or any commentary around this, this is often referred to as God's first covenant with, our, with his people, with humanity. It's actually the second covenant that happens in Genesis. Does anybody remember the first, except for Stephen? Does anybody remember the first covenant? It was with Noah, Right? God promises what? That's perfect. No, that's exactly right. Um, I will not, he makes a promise that he won't destroy the world through water anymore, right? The earth. And so this is actually the second time God makes a promise, and it's a doozy, right? God says, I will make you, Abram, into a great nation. I will, you will be the father of many nations. And this is the dream come true for Abram. And Sarai, they had dreamt of a family. And oh my goodness, our faithfulness is actually going to make a difference in the world. God said it. It's going to happen. Expectations are high. They're through the roof. There it is. God said it. It will happen. Can you imagine what kind of excitement that must have been a part of their family? So much so that they were making plans for their kids and making plans for their family. And then the journey to the Holy Land that God had promised, the faithfulness that was required, it's really amazing when you get into the detail of what was required and the obedience that they showed. But they would have been so excited. I can't wait to have our kids. And there they went. They went on this journey and they began to wait. They waited to get pregnant day by day. They didn't get pregnant. Month after month, they waited. They didn't get pregnant. And what turned into a holy moment of expectation turned into year after year after year of waiting. Expectations were high at the beginning, but over time you wondered how they started to come down. Genesis 12 was the promise, but Genesis 15 is where we see God speak again. 
And so we fast forward from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, and it says in verse 1 in the NIV, it actually says after this. But if you look at the, another translation, like the New Living Translation, Genesis 15 starts out with this phrase, sometimes later, sometime later. Sometime later, the Lord then speaks to Abraham. Now, what we know about the, um, the time that's gone through from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15, it was at least a decade. So those day after day of waiting to get pregnant, those month after month of waiting to get pregnant, now year after year turned into at least 10. And there's some scholars who think it was even longer than that. So Abram was 75 years old when he received the promise. Now he was at least 85 years old. That's when your ministry starts, apparently right? Let's think about that for a little bit. (laughs) But we know that it was a decade long. And here we see in Genesis 15, we'll read verses one through three first. It says this, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to them, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. He's reminding him. But verse two, and we can resonate with this. Abram says, O sovereign Lord, And I'm reading this the way I probably would have said it. What, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Abram, like maybe we would have said to God, says, I don't even have a son. This was a time of unfulfilled promises for Abram and probably Sarah. It was a time of disappointment. It was at least a decade later, and the promises that God had given to Abram, he had lowered the expectations. He says, God, did you forget about me? From Abe's point of view, nothing was happening. There was a promise, but nothing was happening to fulfill that promise. Abe lowered his expectations. He says, God, just give me one son. I just want a son. I don't want to give all my wealth and my property to this servant. I'm going to do that. I'm going to come up with a plan B. But Lord, if you would just give me just one son. And I think there's probably some real truth in this statement that we can probably deeply relate with Abram's frustration. Did we ever have a dream about something in our lives that didn't come to fruition the way we hoped, the way that we expected, the way that we thought it would happen? Did you believe that God promised that if you just prayed this one prayer, that God would answer it. That if you prayed for that one family member to find and follow Jesus, they would eventually say yes. Did you believe that if you prayed for this one thing for healing, that it would happen and it didn't? Is there something in your life that God called you to pray for that you believed in faith? If you prayed, God would eventually say yes. Or is there a relationship that you've been hoping for in your life that never came to fruition, that never happened Or what about the pandemic? Did the pandemic steal a dream away from you that you fear will never come back? What about us as a church? This faithful, beautiful congregation that God has called us to. Was there a dream that you had for New City that just hasn't come together like you thought it would? I'll say this again. We have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. 
We pick it up again in verse 4 then, and it says this, Then the Lord said to Abram, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside, we're going to talk about that in a minute, and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now I want to just pause for a minute. And I want to introduce a new word into the conversation. So we've already talked about expectations. The second word of the day is the word exponential. Since we did Father Abraham, do you mind saying that together? Everybody say exponential. It's kind of that kind of a morning, right? We did, you did a really good job with the, with the things. Exponential, you've used before. It's a word that's picked up a lot of popularity over the last 20, 30 years in the world. And of course, it means the rapid increase of something, really of anything. It's the rapid increase of something. And when it comes to faith, this is really important and a truth that I am trying to figure out. But when it comes to faith, we oftentimes think in addition. One plus one plus one. One plus one. That's how we think about things in faith. But God thinks exponentially. He always does. God thinks in multiplication. That's just how God works. God has already said it in Genesis, early on in the garden. God said, go and be fruitful and multiply. That's how God thinks. That's the characteristic of God. He is not burdened down by the immediate barriers that we see when we think through addition. Abraham was thinking in addition. He says, just give me one son, one heir. But God is thinking so much bigger, so much bigger than Abraham even could see. What's interesting to back this up is that Jesus knew this this exponential characteristic of God, and he talked about it all the time. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a story about a sower, that is one who plants seeds, to go with our seed metaphor, who went out and plant and sowed seeds. And Jesus says, some seeds, they fell on good soil, and they produced a harvest of 30 times return, 30 times. It's not one-to-one, 30 times return. Still, some other seeds fell on good soil and produced 60 times more. They were exponentially producing. Still, other seeds fell on the best soil and produced 100 times return. This is exponential thinking, and it is wonderfully dangerous. Changes the world, and it's a characteristic of God. A single seed planted in the ground can produce a hundred times return. This is the principle behind the phrase that we have no idea what God may produce from a single seed, one seed planted in the ground in our lives or in the lives of others around us. One seed can lead to an incredible God-sized return in our lives, in the people around us, and even for this church. Now, there are things that we've been praying for, that we've been hoping for, maybe that we've had high expectations for, and in some of those situations, we haven't seen the fruit. Maybe it's true that you've been praying for something and you've been disappointed in not seeing the fruit. Like Abram and Sarai, maybe a decade has passed or some time frame has passed and you haven't seen the fruit that you've hoped for. And it's easy and human nature to lower our expectations because we tend to think in addition. 
But friends, we are called to be seed planters. And like the sower, we don't always get to see the fruit. You don't always get to see what God might do with the seeds that you plant. Just because you don't see anything doesn't mean that God isn't doing something somewhere in different people's lives that you might encounter. A seed planted in the ground can bear fruit, reproducing itself when the roots go down deep. You never know what kind of ground the seed will land on. We are called to sow seeds of God's love and pray that it bears fruit. What a vision for the church. Abraham, Abram had the same problem that many of us had. He had a very limited perspective. Look at closer at verse 5. I'll read it for you. Verse 5 in chapter 15 says this. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. We've talked about expectations. We've talked about the word exponential. And now we talk about the word perspective. Now we talk about the word perspective. Abram, like many of us, had a very limited perspective. Apparently, he was in some sort of tent, right? Like that's where he met with God. And so he was telling God from his perspective in this tent what he couldn't or didn't want to see. Abe didn't see anything, not even one son. His perspective was skewed. He had a limited, a finite human perspective, and it impacted his attitude, his faith. But, oh, we can identify with Abe in this situation. And this is the truth. And this is how one pastor I heard talk about this. He said it this way, If God met all of our expectations, he would never have the chance to exceed them. If God met all our expectations, he would never have a chance to exceed them. Abe was in a tent telling God what he couldn't and didn't see. But in Genesis 15, 5, God says, Abe, go look outside. Get out of the tent. Change your perspective and go and see what I'm about to do. God says to Abram, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Abe says, God, you haven't even given me one son. God says, count the stars. What a stunning moment this would have been. I'm sorry, God, I was thinking in the terms of addition. But you were thinking in terms of multiplication. And here's the amazing part. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 says this. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to this promise. We sang the song earlier, right? With all the kids, all of you stood up. Father Abraham has many sons and daughters of which we are all a part. You and I are the seed of Abram. We're the seed of Sarai. What a perspective. Abraham was thinking of a son and God was thinking of you. That's unbelievable. We cannot limit our, perspective, our, our view of what God will do based on our current perspective. We never know what one seed can produce. When one prayer is prayed, you never know the power that could change the world with one prayer. You never know the power of one gift. 
We never know what one gift to somebody in our lives, how it might impact them, how God might use it to change their lives and then down the road change the world. We never know what one loving action towards our neighbor who maybe is far from God, who we pray would find and follow Jesus. We never know what one action towards our neighbor, our coworker, our family member. We never know what it could do. If you lowered your expectation of what God can do at any point in your life, this is a message for you. I have. And in fact, I will confess to you today about a situation that God expanded my perspective. We had a situation in our lives many years ago that I'll confess to you now. I had low expectations in this situation. My perspective was skewed. And I certainly wasn't thinking exponentially in this moment. Now, Marie and I had been married uh, for maybe about five years, and we could not get pregnant. It wasn't happening. Uh, I mentioned to you before that adoption is a very important part of our story. It's played a significant story in our family. And uh, I just want to give you a little bit more detail around that because it, it means something to me as I think about this message. Like many couples, Marie and I wanted children. We talked about it before we were married. We were excited to start our family and to see what little Sacconis we could, you know, generate and have run around. Um, We were excited about that. And we had actually tried for years to get pregnant and were unsuccessful. Years and years went by. We didn't think too much of it at first, right? Busy in ministry, tons of teenagers and youth group around. It was a lot of fun. But about year four, year five in our marriage, we started to have more intentional conversations about why aren't we getting pregnant? We don't know. And so we went to the doctors, right? Like people do, like a lot of couples do. And we started to have conversations about what was happening. And if you've ever went through that before, you know well that there's different layers and levels of testing that they can do. And the first levels of tests came back as, well, you know, there's a few things that are a little bit off. Temperatures are a little off. There's some body chemistry that's a little off. But nothing showed us that we couldn't get pregnant, right? And they said, and and in fact, we'd like to do more extensive, more invasive testing. And it just wasn't an option for us, right? So we just said, you know what? Maybe we're not going to get pregnant. And so this was the death of a dream in some ways. And I started to negotiate this with God. I remember distinctly thinking this and saying it out loud. I said, you know what? Okay, I'm a youth pastor. I work with teenagers across this one church that we were at, but also for years, right? Like, we'll be working with teenagers and maybe we just sort of adopt those kids as our own. We have them more involved in our lives. It's probably going to save us a lot of money down the road and we don't have to pay for college anymore, right? But that's just kind of how I started to negotiate it. And I actually said this phrase out loud to my beautiful bride of five, six years, four or five years at the time, Maria. And she looked at me and says, what are you doing? What do you mean? And I was like, well, if we can't get pregnant, then I guess we just won't have our own kids. She says, "Um, God told me when I was like 10 years old that we were going to adopt our kids. And she goes, time for you to get on board. (laughs) I said, well, what are you talking about? We've been married five years. We dated for years before that. We've known each other since we were little kids. And I've never heard you talk about this. She goes, it's probably because you weren't listening, which is probably true. And, she, and I said, well, God hasn't told me that adoption is going to be a part of our story. She goes, that's because you haven't prayed enough. And it was a great challenge for me. So I started to pray. And I started to talk to people who I care about. I called my mom and I called my dad and I said, what would you think about if we adopted our kids? 
And I'll never forget my dad distinctly saying, can you have the children here next week? Because he was so excited to be a grandpa, to be papa. My expectations were to get pregnant and have kids set of the old-fashioned way, but God had a different story in mind, a better story in mind. My perspective had me focusing on one way, but God said, come out of your tent and change your perspective and see the better way that I have for you, the better plan that I have for your life. And so we started the process of adoption. And God blessed us first in 2004 with Caleb, who we brought home two days after he was born from the hospital. And Josiah in 2007, who his first moments of breath in this world were in our arms, right? Samantha in 2012, whose birth mom let us literally be in the room almost up to the point where, you know, she was born. (laughs) I don't know what this is, but that's what she, you know. And then... Uh, to make the story more exponential, <laughs> somehow in 2014, we conceived Ethan. All those years of not getting pregnant, and somehow this little mini-me all of a sudden turned out to be a reality. And our beautiful family that God had knit together got to experience the joy of Maria being pregnant, that birthing process, and it truly has been a gift to us. And I will tell you this. I think we are done having kids now, but you never know. It's the first thing. Secondly, I'm almost 50, just so you know. Uh, But the second thing is this. I had a different expectation in mind. But God had a different story. And I wouldn't trade God's version of the story for anything. We have been incredibly blessed by the way God put our family together. And we love that we get to share it with you now. I guess I would just finish this up by saying this. What is the Lord calling you to step outside of the perspective tent that you've been stuck in? What is God calling you to in this season of your life? Keep in mind these three words. Maybe even this week as you process this story of Abram and Sarai. Expectations. Exponential perspective that we carry. I can't help but wonder, and I'm just going to be very clear on this. I cannot help but wonder in 2009, when a group of people got together, feeling called by God to start a church that would eventually be called New City Covenant Church, what were the expectations? What was the wonder that God had for this community? What were the prayers like back then in that living room that you met in? What was it like then compared to now? And what are we hoping for and praying for as we consider the exponential calling that God has on our lives as a community in this day? The Bible uses incredible phrases all throughout the text, and especially in the New Testament, that sound like this, exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And when we think about that, I'm not putting numerical terms to that. This is our call to faith and to seeing one seed expand and grow into the movement of God that he chooses. I want to be very clear about this. And I need you to hear me say this. Make no mistake about it. This message is in no way a health and wealth gospel message. There is always pain in life. 
And our expectations about being blessed and things like that doesn't always come true. That's part of the journey with Jesus. That's not what this is about. It isn't about us in any way. It is about the glory of God. And we get to be a part of that. It's always about glorifying God the Father and the work that the Holy Spirit is doing here on earth. It is not addition. It is multiplication. That is how we are called to think. It's about glorifying God for generations to come. We are the seed. Together, let's raise up our expectations of what God can and will do and walk together in faith. Together is the key word as God leads, all for his glory. May it be true of our lives individually and may it be true for us as a church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the way that Abram and Sarah and their faithfulness have impacted us even here today in 2023. That is an incredible gift. It's hard for us to even get our minds around that. And so what I want to just ask, Lord, is that every person in this room that's sitting here today together and every person that's online that can hear my voice, whether, wherever they are in the world, that you would give us a holy vision of how you are calling us to put our expectations in you, to put our perspective in you, and to know that you are a God of the impossible that breaks down barriers and thinks exponentially in a world that loves to think in addition. We love you, Lord, and I want to pray a very specific prayer that no matter what you call us to in this season of vision, that in all that we do with every breath that we can, that we would give you the glory, that it would never be about us, but that it would be about you, and God, we pray that you would lead us to those that need to hear the good news of your son's redeeming love. And that in the name of Jesus, we would share that love with them and see life change happen. We love you, Lord, and we're so thankful for this, this, this community, the way that you brought us together. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness through the ages. Thank you that we get to be the seed that gets to plant other seeds in this world. We pray these things in your name, God. Amen. Amen.